0: Hey, I have your attention, please? You need passion. You need desire. You need one. We play with that passion. We play together. We play for each other. And we play to win. We are Notre Dame.
1: Welcome back to Irish Illustrated International. I'm your host, J.D. McGrath, a born and bred Londoner, now living in the beautiful English seaside town of Brighton, studying at university and joining me as ever. On the other side of the pond, as our reporter Len Clark and Len, we've had a week off, a chance for the Irish footballing programme to reset and re-gear for this back end of this schedule. It's also been a great time for our blood pressure rates, as No Dame has given us a week without any close finishes. No game-winning field goals and and, and near-heart attacks, and what a perfect game to to play coming off the bye week as the Irish host our great rivals, the USC Trojans, on Saturday night in South Bend. But before we get into that one, Len it's been a it's been an interesting interesting first half of the season my, my first year covering uh, Notre Dame we've had some ups we've had some downs if you could recap in a, in a few words the these first 5 weeks of the Notre Dame season what would you what would you say
0: boy i'm just looking for an adjective to describe that first half it it, <laughs> uh, it was not what we expected yeah but still Notre Dame has found a way to enter the break 5 and 1 and kudos to the fighting irish Good teams find a way to win. We knew that Jack Cohn was going to be the quarterback. We didn't didn't think he would struggle as much as he has. We didn't think there would be a quarterback controversy. We thought the offensive line would be better than it is, although it's getting better. We thought the running game would be better. So, boy, if I was grading students at the midterm, I would have to say, hey, low grades, but you still have a chance to finish with a passing grade. But exactly. unpredictable, un, un, unpredicted type of a first half.
1: But that's why that's why we love this sport, and that's why we love Notre Dame. And we, we have a few midseason awards to go out. We've had a had a week to think about this, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the uh, the, the first answer to this one. Your Notre Dame MVP
0: up to this point of the season. Well, does it offense or defense?
1: Well, we're going to go on to offense and defense, but there might be both of them. So your overall MVP, it it can even be the the special team. Jay Bramlett is up there for MVP. He's been been fantastic.
0: (laughs) Very quiet MVP. I guess if you put me on the spot and I have to pick one person, there's an individual who has won two games with him for the Fighting Irish with his foot. And I would have to say Jonathan Dore. You don't want to put it into the hands of a kicker to be an MVP. But if we were to break it down by position, I could probably come up with somebody to answer mm-hmm. your question. But I think what Jonathan Dor has done, it has kept Notre Dame in line for a major bowl. And you mm-hmm. can't take anything away from the senior out of Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: Yeah. I mean, my uh, uh, MVP and, uh, and defensive, uh, defensive player of the year, well, Vostar, uh, are going to be two defensive players uh, I mean that sums up the Notre Dame uh, season so far. We were given MVPs to Jonathan Dore, but I'm going to say MVP Carl Hamilton. I know it's an obvious choice. The guy's are going to be an All American. He's going to be a top five pick. I mean that Florida State game alone. I mean it just looks like Ed Reed out there. I mean he he does have a tendency to kind of go for those flashy plays. And uh, in 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 one of the games, I think the Cincinnati game, he 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 completely missed his jump. He actually could have picked it off, but. He's such an eraser. I mean, that dude is, is is a supreme athlete at that position. On the offensive side, Len, who's been the player that stood out for you so far?
0: Well, when I look at a most valuable player, it's a person that has won games. As much as I didn't think Jack Cohn would be, the, would be the starting quarterback at this point of the season, based off of the play of Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, I would still have to give it to Jack Cohn because he has pulled out a couple of games, much like Jonathan Doar. And that's that, you know, I'm having a hard time even saying that Jack Cohn MVP because he has struggled. Uh, But maybe it could be somebody who has just been consistent on a regular basis and the stats aren't there. I'd say Kyron Williams has also done a great job Uh, has been there every game, despite having a line that has not opened up a lot of holes. So, boy, that's a tough question to answer because there are so many downsides Mm. of the play of the fighting Irish. And when I say downsides is that on paper, Notre Dame was going to be very good. But it's been injuries that have really set the tone for the team this year. But I'll stick by my words. Good teams find a way to win five and one I know those those games have raised your blood pressure but as a broadcaster it's a broadcaster's dream going mm-hmm. down to the final seconds would yeah. you rather call a blowout or would you rather call a game that goes down to the final seconds
1: down to the final seconds as always <laughs> uh, for me off, I mean Jack you, you make you you raise an amazing point I think if Michael mayer stayed healthy unfortunately he has had some injury issues he would of course be think's but I'm gonna give it to Karen Williams just because consistency. I mean, it's consistency, and the guy is... I've never seen a guy of his size run so physical in space. Coming off last year as well, having a drop-off in line, his receiving threat as well. We've seen him line up in, yep. in the slot. I think it's tough offensively. I feel like the second half, after they... It feels like it's Jack Cohn's going to be the starter with the Tyler Butler package. I feel like that's going to be... Women I will come on to that. That will be the sort of quarterback setup. It's tough offensively, but defensively, I mean... That fourth quarter Florida State game, head and hands, we were thinking, oh my God, what's happening? It's been a massive, massive turnaround for the defense. I think there's loads of players you can give it to. Your defensive player of the year so far, Lem?
0: I'm going to have to go with J.D. Bertrand. Here is somebody who really epitomizes the next man in. Hey, if it wasn't for Maris Leofile going down with a broken leg, J.D. would have been a stalwart on special teams and maybe seen an occasional appearance as linebacker. But last year, spring after the spring game, we talked to Brian Kelly and we asked about JD's progress, especially his play on special teams. And Brian basically said, Hey, people with his work ethic and his talent, you can't keep him off the field. He'll have a chance to play. Unfortunately, it was Maris Leifal going down his roommate. And you just take a look, he's leading the team in tackles. Mm. And that just shows you that mentality. <clears throat> Even though I agree with you that, Kyle Hamilton is the marquee player on the Notre Dame defense. And what he has done this year, especially being targeted and being double teamed and Mm -hmm. being taunted, he is giving it right back. And I think he's a primetime player and no better game to really showcase your talent against USC, Hollywood, if you will, Saturday night, Notre Dame stadium. And here's a chance for Kyle Hamilton to really make a statement. I think that drank, london matchup with kyle oh, we're gonna, we're gonna get on to that's gonna be we're one gonna, of the storylines yeah. though that's gonna yeah. be a
1: storyline but yeah no i agree jd bertrand not even not even a doubt i mean we we, we said that this is a guy who might not have even seen the fields his tacking ability his his, his his linebacking partner drew white is has also been really impressive but jd i mean like i feel like we've, we've spoken about him on every on every podcast i mean a few more awards to give out most improved player Len either coming off last year, maybe two years ago, someone who maybe had a tough spring, someone who you thought had stepped up, who you didn't think would have the impact they would have. If you could name one player or a few, could you name one?
0: Boy, another tough one, because a lot of these guys were the number ones last year. Uh, boy, I'm going to, I'm going to have to think about that one for a moment, but you know, the yeah. Adam Iola's maybe, you know, yeah. that's uh on the defensive line, I think the scheme that Marcus Freeman has put in has put him in a position that has really showcased his talents. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah Foskey, that's another one that yeah. comes immediately to mind right now. Is that's,
1: that's my choice, yeah.
0: Isaiah Foskey just is the full package. Speed, athleticism, strength, and especially in that Virginia Tech game when he was right on the tail of that Virginia Tech quarterback. Unfortunately, that quarterback ended up scoring, but – you just know that he was in hot pursuit and was able to get into the backfield. So Isaiah Foskey, a great find for the Fighting Irish, and I would have to say probably the most improved player on the defensive line.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. He, he's, he's made that step up. We were covering spring, the reports coming out. We were a little bit worried because he has the size and the flexism to be a top uh, uh, edge defender in college football and, and even the next level. He's made that, um, that step up another guy. I think Cam Hart, he's my player for the second half of the season and listen he struggled a bit against david bell he's going to be coming up against in my opinion the best wide receiver in college football this weekend and he's got the length i'm really looking forward to that matchup and just one more award glenn before we head into this game i know i keep on uh put you on the spot here it's been a a weird a weird a weird a weird uh starts the season some tough parts but your favorite moment so far this year
0: Boy, I tell you, every Notre Dame win is my favorite moment. But I go back – I just go back to, you know, Jonathan Doran starting the season off right on that Sunday night on Labor Day against Florida State and winning the ball game. But that Virginia Tech game as well when he kicks the 48-yard field goal. But I think it's more of the story behind that last kick at Virginia Tech when there was a fan in the stands that actually had a laser and was shining into the eyes. And Brian Kelly, you know – calls timeout or just wanted officials timeout to go talk to the refs. And Jonathan door's like, coach, I don't care about that. Just let me kick the ball. I'll make it. That's the kind of guy I want on my side. It's like, let's stick it back in their face. Go ahead. Show me your best stuff. I'm going to put it through the uprights. You know, we're going to win this game. And that's the, I think, you know, right before camp broke, we had a talk chance to talk with Jonathan door. And I asked him, about his ritual. And kicking and getting mentally in the mindset, I knew he was going to win, kick, win to get that game-winning kick. That's just the type of his attitude. And his attitude is, "Hey, hey, I'm only going to do this 12 times, 12 more times in my life. Mm. I'm not going to fail." Yeah. Now he's had a couple of hiccups, but when it comes down to making the clutch play, he's been there. Yeah,
1: so. I agree. And I'll have to also say that not only uh, Jonathan Doar, but it's got, to be, it's got to be the Chris Tyree punt return. And the man, our man himself, Len Clark, who predicted this. He predicted this at the game. I've, I've got to bring it up again, Len.
0: I'm sorry. It took 48 years because the last time I did that, it was Al Hunter in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama in 1973. And I called it. But yeah. uh, I'll take all the credit. But you just knew that Chris Tyree was going to have a breakout. And if yeah. everybody executed that he was gonna find a seam, And if you give him an ounce of daylight, he's gonna take advantage of it. And unfortunately he had turf toe going back to his home state who could not play against Virginia Tech. And JP, that's why I think it was so important to have the bye week this time. Mm -hmm. And I talked to George Takis yesterday about the conditioning. I said, hey, you guys were tired. He said, yes, but practice this past week, they were able to go full kilt because of the conditioning program implemented by Matt Ballas. Now, in previous years, they would have said, hey, let's not put ourselves in a position to get hurt or wear ourselves out. These guys were going after each other in practice on a Tuesday to get ready for USC. No better game to open up the second half of the season than against USC, a rival, a rival, you know, great rivalry. And if you can't get up for that game, I just can't see you getting up for any other game. I mean, everything is aligned. This is a chance for really for Notre Dame to put that first half behind him, really show the improvement on the offensive line, run the ball down the throat of the Trojans, come up with the big plays, highlighted by Kyle Hamilton, stalwart defense by JD Bertrand, total team effort. But let's not let it just be decided by the foot of Jonathan Dor. Let's hope not.
1: And let's get into that that the USC game preview. I mean, this is the biggest intersection rivalry in all college football, and only World Wars can stop these two great schools facing off-land, you know, and you've got to give credit to USC. It's a, it's a fantastic program. It's had some great, great players over the year. I mean, they've had a tumultuous year, though, even more so than Notre Dame, firing Hoke Clay Helton in the second week of the season. They always recruit well in California, but those California dudes are heading down to the SEC, Bryce Young, one of the guys, the quarterback at Alabama last season, they were five and one. I think that was a very favorable, uh, um, a uh, result for them. I don't think they were a, a a five and one team. We'll start with the offensive side. They have Keaton Slovis at quarterback. I mean, I like JT Daniels a lot, the quarterback at, at Georgia. So I'm kind of happy we're not going up against him. And and unfortunately, due to the the, the COVID problems in California, I didn't get to see much of UFC last year. So having a look back at Slovis's tape when they played Notre Dame. In 2019, I really liked what he saw. I thought he was competent. He had arm strength all, 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 all across the levels of the field. He was accurate and, in the quick game. you know. And now he's got this guy in Drake, London, um, uh, who is, again, as I say, the best wide receiver in college football at the moment. I mean, David Bell was awesome and and did a decent job, but London's a different animal.
0: Well, we know that USC has skilled players. Traditionally student body right, student body left. JP, this this game is one of my favorites along with the Navy game. It's the pageantry. And, you know, for many, many years, the USC Notre Dame really decided who was going to be the national champion. Mm-hmm. Now, over the years, I have experienced every emotion possible from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. You know, I remember that 85-yard run by Eric Pennock when I was just nine years old and how he – just use his sheer speed to get into the end zone before he disappeared into a sea of humanity. But I also remember the next year when Notre Dame had a 24 to nothing lead out in Los Angeles and ended up losing that game, like 54 to 24. (laughs) I remember the Anthony Davises and the Pat Haydens and the Lynn Swans. I remember the Bush push in 2005, Mm -hmm. throw the records out. This is the Mm -hmm. glamor game. This is for the jeweled shillelagh and we want an emerald green diamond on that that shillelagh instead of the garnet in the crimson of usc but this is a tr- chance for really teams uh, both teams to really make their seasons if you will it's been disappointing for usc with the adversity but they have talent and they have nothing to lose on saturday night
1: yeah exactly i mean they're three and three heading into this game um, they began the year with the 42 28 loss to stanford uh, that was on pace to be the second worst home loss until USC got some garbage time points there. And they were 35-13 down just before the fourth quarter started. Of course, they fired um, Clay Kelton, had a bounce-back win over Washington State and then lost the game to a frisky Oregon State game, as I say, came back against Colorado and then lost last week to Utah. Um, but even in that Washington State game, which they won f- uh, 45-14, they were 14-7 down at the first half. I mean, where have we heard that before? The and, and they have had some slow first half halves before. Of course, they came back and had 38. Unanswered, unanswered points. They've got some great players. Um, I think Keontae really Ingram is, is 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 a great carrier of the ball. And they're just coming off the back of a of a Utah loss. This is a game that was 35-10 at the third quarter, and again, some garbage time points makes this a lot worse than it sounds. In all three of their losses, Len, SC have trailed by 20 plus points. In the third quarter. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a football analogy in here for my, my international viewers. I'm a I'm a big Man United fan. I'm I'm just bouncing well, Congratulations
0: off on the win today.
1: Thank you very much. I've been I've been bouncing off that. <laughs> After Sir Alex Ferguson left, and, and I and I draw many comparisons between Notre Dame and Manchester United, there were all of these records. Man United lost games to these teams, and it was never lost since this team since 1945. And this feels like USC this year. SC had never lost to Oregon State since 1970. They had never lost to Utah since 1916. And the Coliseum wasn't even built. But in those years, which Man United had with David Moyes and Louis Van Gaal, we beat Liverpool. We beat Arsenal. We got up for some big games. So as you said, records and, 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 and tendencies coming, coming into this game go out the window.
0: You know, and the rivalry is really for the fans because the players, this is just another game to them. Now, I think it's very important that the players understand the rivalries to know what they're fighting for. And maybe that might have a little impetus in making them uh, compete at a little bit higher level, but they should be ready to compete. But from a recruiting standpoint, this is also very important. There are going to be a lot of potential recruits out there, and here's a chance for both teams. You know, a loss from USC could actually get them a recruit because a recruit could say, I can go in there and be a starter on that program next year. Notre Dame, you've got a hell of a recruiting class coming in. Where's that guy going to end up? Mm. Is he going to be second, third string, and how many more years? So there is a negative side to winning, if you will, and there's an upside to losing, but a win for Notre Dame propels them toward that New Year's Six game, that bowl game that they need to play in. Notre Dame has high standards and you cannot compensate. You can't compensate your standards. And it all begins against USC on Saturday night. So what I'm really looking forward to is that first series by Jack Cohn. Is he going to be the guy with the confidence that came back in and led them to victory against Virginia Tech? Or is it going to be another quarter and then, Tyler Buckner, are you okay? Can you come in? Mm -hmm. Will Drew Pine never see the field again? Will the offensive line continue to perform at the level that they did against Virginia Tech and continue to get better? Will Kywin Williams be able to run the ball? Notre Dame needs to do all of those to win this ball game because USC has nothing to lose, and they're going to come out, and they're going to be a gambler, and nothing is going to affect them except themselves. Exactly. I mean, you spoke about recruiting there. I mean, the Cincinnati
1: weekend was a big weekend for recruiting, but this one's a big one too. You know, I've looked at USC this year. It it seems like a team that's given up. You know, they lost to Oregon State, but they lost to Utah and Stanford. And Utah and Stanford are bad football teams. And I know we we talk about records go out the window. It just feels like the attitude is wrong with this team. They've got commits going elsewhere today. I believe um, one of their five-star commits has just flipped to Georgia. I think they've got another cornerback in Damani Jackson who's who's looking... Uh, at other schools, and yes, they've got they've got Drake London, and we can talk for days about Drake London how good he is, but let's talk about Notre Dame, and let's talk about the quarterbacks. We both feel like Jack Cohen's going to probably start this game and we have this Tyler a package that will come in if a need to spark this offense. What do you think Jack Cohen needs to do in this one, Len, to start the game strong for Notre Dame and not have those lapses and concentrations that we've seen, especially in that Cincinnati game with that first interception?
0: Play to his strengths. And that's all predicated on the offensive line. If they can protect him, he's a pure pocket passer. Rolling out is not his specialty. If they can buy him some time, then Jack Cohn can do what he's done in his career at Wisconsin, and to and to move that ball up and down the field. I think in that game uh, where he gave up uh, the first, he threw an interception on the first series. You know he need, he needs to control the controllables. Have help from his teammates. Notre Dame needs to score. Now, I'm usually a person that if Notre Dame wins the coin toss, defer. So you have that ball in the second half. And I think that's kind of bit Notre Dame in the past. If Notre Dame wins, I would say get the ball into the hands of Jack Hone mm-hmm. as quick as possible. Because I think the confidence, if they score on that first possession, that sets the tone for the ball game. Yeah. Yeah, no. and- you can't and- let the defense win the games for him this time out.
1: Yeah, no. but yeah, and Jack and, and Jack Coney, he's, he's, he's been taken out of two straight games for his ineffectiveness, and then he goes he goes down in Blackberg back last week at, or two weeks ago now, and he and he and, and he leads us to victory, so I think he he does deserve this this, this 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 starting game. Michael May is back. Brian Kelly said he's near enough 100. percent I think he's gonna have a massive game. I think the two linebackers for USC are gonna really struggle against him, but if he does go down, Len that tight end room, that tight end depth chart is looking a little thin. I'm hearing even Michael Carmody could be playing some snaps. Some yeah, at he time. did. Dumped he's
0: putting it up in practice. If we talked to George yeah. Tackers yesterday, and here's a senior who's never yeah. taken a snap against USC. So, I mean, he's really biting that chomp. I think he filled in very well for Michael Mayer. But if you were to ask me the perfect scenario, it would be Notre Dame, get that opening drive on their own 25 on a touchback and just have like a 10-play drive of, 75 yards capped off by a nine yard touchdown pass to Michael Meyer to Michael Mayer to really set the tone for the fighting Irish. A good three and out by the defense. You're through the first quarter, do the same thing, run the ball. Kyron Williams caps it off with the touchdown. Notre Dame's up 14 to nothing going into the half. I look for them to win 35 to 24, but the weather's going to cooperate. It's national television, it's USC. The pageantry of college football—we haven't seen them in a couple of years. I'm really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. I'm my my energy is kind of reinvigorated after that bye week. We need some bye weeks too in the media. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm just really, really looking forward to it. As I said, growing up and watching USC, Notre Dame, and as a kid watching that white horse out at the Coliseum, Trigger would run up and down the sidelines, and Air Parsi would go, "I hate that! I hate that horse." (laughs) <laughs> but I, th- I saw something the other day I never knew. There was a an actor who played on the series Cheers. Uh, George went. He went to Notre Dame for a short time. And he would go out to the games in the Coliseum and say, hey, where is that Mr. Ed Horse?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so,
0: that's
1: what it's, it's, it's Notre Dame, USC, another kind of... Um, final quick thing on the game plan. You just touched on there. Run the damn ball. I want to see Kyron Williams, Chris Turry and even Logan Diggs getting touches in this game. The USC rush defense is 93rd in the country against Stanford. They gave up 145 total rush yards against Oregon State. It was 324. I think this offensive line had its best performance against Virginia Tech. Run the damn ball against this team.
0: if that, and tie them- if that happens, game ball at the end of the game to the offensive line. Yeah, I think. If, that, if, if it plays out the way that we hope, I think you've got a lot to build upon. Then you've got North Carolina coming in the next week. So the schedule is actually working out. Notre Dame with three home games coming out of the bye week. A road trip down to Charlottesville, Virginia. Coming back to finish up the home portion of the schedule against Georgia Tech. And then it's Thanksgiving time and you're flying out to play Stanford. Now you've put yourself into a good position to play in a New Year's Six game. I think Notre Dame, with just that one blemish, it could have been but you never know what's going on in college football. Yeah,
1: never
0: know. Never know. Notre Dame just might find a way, the luck of the Irish kind of finding a way to get into a major, major bowl game. But right yeah. now they control their own destiny. And everything that we've seen coming out of the bye week, it looks like they're ready to be they're prepared for this game. It'll be interesting to see with the package that Tom Reese as the offensive coordinator uh, will bring into the game, as well as the defensive adjustments by Marcus Freeman. So Let's hope once again it doesn't come down to the toe of Jonathan Dor
1: Exactly. But you you just said you, you don't know what's going to happen. It, it feels like that year where it was the curse of the number two seed, Iowa just went and lost to Purdue. And and all the national media were talking about Notre Dame struggling against Purdue. Well, the number two in the country just lost to them. Alabama, of course, lost to Texas. And then you don't know what's going to happen. All you can do is win your games. I exactly. mean, this week. This weekend, I mean, it, it feels written in the stars. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up Man United again. It's Man United versus Liverpool this weekend. It's the biggest football game in the world, and it's USC versus Notre Dame on the same day. It feels like it's just meant to be. So it's either going to be a fantastic day for me or a terrible day for me. But and I know
0: you'll be texting me left and right, but you know what? That Cincinnati loss with the way that things are shaking out, it's not a bad loss. Oh, yeah. because it lost loss does- to a top, possibly a yeah. top two team in the country. Yeah. And... That really that, you know, that loss really could kind of propel Notre Dame to where they're going to be at the end of the year. But she said Notre Dame just needs to take care of business mm. and take it game by game. Uh, the big thing is no injuries. That is really devastated. Notre Dame this season. Stay healthy. And here's a little side note. I just did an article on J.D. Bertrand's family, the Irish connection with Ireland. His mother went to USC. Uh, <laughs> but, but but she grew up watching Notre Dame football, and she said, "I'm a Notre Dame fan." So she better be. She better
1: be. She better be rooting for her, better be rooting for her son this weekend. I mean, can't wait for this one, Len. Uh, this has been a great talk. We're going to be back again. I think I'm on on, a, on Monday to talk about this one. I want to uh, uh, give a special shout out to the, to the Notre Dame football fans on Facebook who've shown some massive support for us and and what we're trying to do here and, and building this uh, Irish international. Community, Len, been great talking to you. Can't wait for this one up in Jupiter McGrath. He's been Len Clark, and as always, go Irish!